Hi, I'm Timmy Turner, and I... Stole from my mom's purse. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Adam Pecora. We back at it. Recording here for Requiem for a Tuesday. Yet another glorious episode. We got a lot to go through today. And by a lot, I mean we don't really have that much because not a lot's been going down. But it's actually a Tuesday. It's almost an obligation. Every Tuesday's a holiday over here, you know? We treat it big. You know, it's the least appreciated day. I mean, Newman tried to roast it, saying that Tuesday has no feel when they were in that stakeout. And uh, ever since, I've just had this boiling passion to uh, give Tuesdays the recognition that they deserve. Um, You know, it's only like the second worst day of the week. So, you know, let's give it some credit. Let's acknowledge something. Came up with a great idea for a calendar. And uh, I think that maybe that's when you discover that calendars aren't dead. Is when you're like, oh, I got an idea for a calendar. Because then you're like, oh, right, people will pay for this garbage. You don't need a calendar. Anybody who's still buying calendars, uh, I mean, you know, the Internet's real. Just so you guys know, you can get it wherever you want. You can print out a calendar. If the physicalness is the issue, you could print one. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things you could do instead. You got a phone, most likely. You're pretty good. Um, it's It's pictures. And uh, I guess it's the only acceptable way to have bizarre pictures of weird things in your house. And if that's how that's going to... I'm not going to be the one to tell you that you cannot have a calendar. But I don't think you should, unless it's mine. And let me tell you what the idea is. So, um, you may be familiar with cats, like the animal. Um, A lot of people have these. And, you know, that's that's could be a positive if you so decide. Uh, but, you know, they're pretty photogenic if you don't know that. And I think that if I had to guess, this is purely all speculation, but if I had to guess the number one location in someone's home for a calendar, I would immediately say the kitchen, which is why I immediately went to calendars when I said, let's put this cat in a bread pan. Okay, I want to see a little loaf of cat. They already look like little loaves. And, you know, let's do that. Let's maybe put them on the rack in the oven with the door open. Okay, maybe let's put a little apron on them and, you know, put them in a pie pan, pie crust tin. You know, let's, you know, get a whisk and see if he'll chew on it while we put him in a mixing bowl. You know, so I'm saying every month is a different cat in another bowl type orifice (laughs) Um, utensil, I guess, whatever you want to call it. But uh, whatever devices you may use to heat up different stews and vegetables and whatever else you may consume in your home. Um, But tell me you wouldn't want to see those little cats, especially in November. You see a cat in a quiche or something (laughs) and... I don't see how you could look away. I think that it would just be pure magic. And I don't know what the margins are like in the calendar business. But I think that I know people with cats and I know people with kitchens. So, 
you know, all I needed to know is a guy with a camera. Next thing you know, I got this whole thing made for about $35. Um, so, I mean, you know, you sell a couple hundo, hundo thou on top of that. Psh, you're, you're clearing in Hallmark money, you know. Next thing you know, I'm fucking, I got a network and I'm watching reruns of Spencer's Mountain. Because it's my mom's favorite movie. And uh, it seems like it would be on the greeting card channel. But uh, I don't know. You know, uh, comment below. Because I think that, you know, if you're a grown man who's got some titties on a calendar, you should take that down. Um, I don't think I don't think we need that to be a thing anymore. So let's uh let's get some cats in some pans and some pots and uh you know we'll we'll make it nice. We'll make it we'll make it real real smooth. You'll never even know um what day it is because you'll just be looking at those cats in the pot. Right? Haha. <laughs> so on another note, on a much more important note, uh, I had a phenomenal cinematic experience over the weekend, and I was not in the cinema. <laughs> so, yeah, I know. It's it's pretty crazy to think that you can enjoy a movie on your couch as much as you could in a theater. Honestly, I think that if I saw this movie in the theater, I might be dead because I was panicking the whole time. And uh, you may already have an idea of what movie I'm talking about. It is not Uncut Gems. I've seen it. It is by the same people, though. It's their last movie, Good Time with Robert Pattinson. And wow, you know, where was that information three years ago when it came out? Why was nobody, nobody that, nothing that I was reading was like, hey, you guys got to see this shit. You know, maybe I saw it in passing, but it was nowhere near being talked about on the level that Gems has been, and I don't know if that is acceptable. I think that Good Time is just as good, if not better. It just kind of depends on what your flavor is, I think. I think that there are elements of Good Time that are way better. Um, mostly just visually. I think that it is shot in a more specific way. I think that Gems is just kind of like, we got a bigger budget, so we're going to take bigger shots. Whereas, like, just the tightness of all the shots in um, Good Time were, like, insane. It was like you could only see someone's head, you know? And then, like, if you couldn't see their head, it would only be, like, shoulder to nipple. Like, it was, like, insanely closed in, incredibly claustrophobic. Your heart's racing the whole time. The score does the exact same contrast it does in gems. Like whenever a really intense moment's going on, um, the synths are just flying left and right. And you don't really know. You never know what's going to happen. Nobody seems to be putting any thought into any of their decisions. It's like, we got to go. We got to move. Like, I got to get out of here. And uh, yeah, I mean, it is just a nonstop thrill beginning to end. I think that Robert Pattinson is a phenomenal actor. I was having this chat with my buddy yesterday um, where it's like, why would anybody be upset for Robert Pattinson being cast as Batman? I mean, if your argument is that he's British, uh, that's dumb. 
I mean, I don't really have anything else to add to that part of it because I don't really see how being British disqualifies you unless you are literally incapable of doing an American accent. Um, but uh, I also wouldn't really be that upset if it was just a British guy. I don't think that that's crazy. He was raised by a British butler and all the other ones and were led to assume that he didn't pick up on any of that. I mean, come on, he was only like five when his parents died. You think that that really shaped him forever? I mean, obviously, yes, I mean vocally. You're telling me those vocal cords were all buttered up? And then that was it? The British guy had no influence on him? He didn't start saying, like, crumpet and shit all the time? You're trying to tell me that Bruce Wayne didn't pick up on any of those guys' mannerisms? The fact that Bruce Wayne doesn't speak in more British lingo... Forget the accent. I mean, I think that that's a real missed opportunity and is not accurate. I mean, you're spending all your time with this with this British butler guy who's saying all this crazy shit to you all the time. You would think that at some point you'd pick up on something. But no. Somehow you're just chilling and you're all good. Whatever. I don't... We don't need to... We don't need to dive that deep into that. But, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, just... His act, his first of all, in good time, he is a completely different person. Uh, you almost can't even tell that, like, his face, even like his whole face is changed by like a goatee and some hair, which to me is a great sign of a great actor is that like they can just disappear into their role so clearly. And I know that you can say that about a lot of people with character, but when you can literally do that with your appearance, I think that that just gives you a huge boost anyway. And, and I, Positive or negative, because I feel like let's say you go out there lay a fucking egg, you know, people might not even recognize it's you, so you won't really have to worry about that as much. And I think that that's a huge plus. But uh, just in general, I mean, there are so many times when you go see a movie and it's like, okay, well, yeah, that's Leonardo DiCaprio right there. Can't really mistake that guy for anybody else. And the fact that he can still, like, just give you a great performance is amazing. And that's the reason why he gets the praise that he gets, and it is rightfully deserved. But you're always going to at least recognize him at first, which, I mean, you can look at as a plus or a minus. I don't really care. The point that I'm trying to make is when you can disappear, that puts you on a whole nother level. So I think that, one, they could make it so he doesn't look like, you know, regular interview Robert Pattinson or, like, whatever. That He doesn't really have a generic role anymore, which is awesome. I think that what he's done in his filmography has been brilliant. He's basically saying, like, hey, look, I'm doing, like, the Hall pit thing. It's like, yeah, I could make these $200 million budget popcorn flicks or i can like be a fucking actor and do some acting and like work with great directors and blah 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 and it's like oh well then yeah that kind of makes way more sense so that's way more respectable um but then like he's like okay i'll be fucking batman then and we're like nah 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 it's like all right well do you what do you want him to do here Okay, do you want the indie film star or do you want the blockbuster guy? You don't get to pick which blockbusters he's in. Like, he's not going to be doing romance movies. He's an A-list, 
at least caliber star. I guess I don't really know what list he fits on. I would call him A-list. Everybody knows him. If you can get on the cover of magazines, I think you're an A-lister. Regardless of the quality or quantity or anything of your output. Uh, some people got it just in their cheekbones. And I think that that guy's got that plus the resume. Um, and... I, I don't know. I just think, like, the guy can fucking act. I, the, the the thing that we talked about, uh, me and my buddy, was shout out to Alan, you big, you big goofball. Uh, <clears throat> it's just that the role of Batman kind of sucks, right? Like, um, if you can nail down the action sequences, if it even is, I mean, I'm sure it's almost never them in the suit. Like, it's just while they're talking. So, like... As long as the stunts are well coordinated and like put together and it's all good, like you know what I mean. Like really, all you need is like, is the script good? Like, is this movie gonna be good? Because um, then you, Batman's like the least important thing you need to worry about. Uh, it has never been a good character that's translated into movies. I mean, like Michael Keaton was like fine, but they like didn't really know how to write Bruce Wayne. He was kind of goofy and re- and weird. Um which, I mean, fit the Tim Burton and Michael Keaton check boxes, but it didn't fit the Batman boxes, you know? And then the Schumacher movies obviously were garbage, so it doesn't really matter. And then, you know, in The Dark Knight, they tried to, like, oh, he's a suave, cool billionaire guy, and, like, Bale nailed it, like, that part of it at least. Like, he nailed the Bruce Wayne part. The Batman voice thing, you can say whatever you want, but the guy would have a recognizable voice, and I think Michael Keaton, like definitely disguised his voice maybe not as harshly but whatever i don't have an issue with that i just think that like bruce wayne is almost never going to be interesting i think that the nolan movies really tried to do something with it which is respectable and cool and that's what he was he was a suave rich playboy guy I mean, what more do you want? And then he also, like, talked about Batman stuff. I mean, that's about as much as you're going to get. Because they certainly didn't do it with Affleck. And that's that's no thing to Affleck. And everybody's like, oh, well, why would Affleck want to do this? It's like, cause somebody, because, like, you, Batman's the fucking man, but it's like nobody can seem to get it right. You know? And, you know, you can mention The Dark Knight all you want, but that's Heath Ledger's movie. And that's the reason why that movie's that good. Like, Christian Bale's there, and he's... He does what he can with what he's got, and there's not a lot there. I just don't really know. Like, you can name a bunch of people that could maybe play Batman, and you're like, uh, you, you're never really that confident in, in any one person, as far as I'm concerned. Like, there's no name that you're like, yeah, that's definitely the guy, because there's just no way. There's just nobody that fits it, because I, I just don't think that there's that much there. And I think that if you want the actual character of Batman and Bruce Wayne to be accurately portrayed, then it has to be hardly about the Batman part. You know? Let it be a character study of Bruce Wayne in his home and going to work. You know? Let it be a conflict within Wayne Enterprises while he's having um, you know, relationship troubles and he has to try to balance both at the same time and then like you know, every night when he's in bed, he sneaks away or something. And it's just implied that he's going to be Batman. And they're like, 
maybe it'll be on the news or they'll like put a paper down and it'll be a headline or you know somebody will scroll through twitter and be like oh did you hear Bam Mandela last night and he'll just be like oh that's great and he's like sipping a coffee tired he's got like a little cut on his arm you know like they don't really show it and it's mostly about being Bruce Wayne which I think uh probably would not be that great of a movie who knows it could be if it's well done I could see Bale doing that and crushing it um clearly he's shown his boardroom skills but i i just don't see any other way that bruce wayne becomes compel- compelling um so maybe with pattinson who's a, a notedly younger guy than the prior guys uh at least off the top of my head it seems like it's not even that close really um i mean maybe they flip it Maybe they do something new with it. I don't think so. I mean, I think it'd be kind of cool, though, if he, like, I don't know, if Wayne Enterprises was, like, a major tech company. Like, that's the direction he took it because he's, like, a young guy. I I don't know. I think that would be fun. I think that the logical conclusion after where the Dark Knight trilogy left us, I mean, we we all just kind of said, like, there's no top in this. And, I mean, looking back on that trilogy, it's not as great as it was at the time, but I still think there's no topping it. Because look at what's followed. I mean, people are either trying to make it gritty and then like, oh, the gritty didn't work, now let's make it funny. And, you know, then Joker did its thing where it's kind of just like, okay, well, how about Taxi Driver? And I think Nolan was just trying to make a Nolan movie with Batman in it. And I think that that's, I mean, I think everybody has said that and then that's fine. But nobody's trying to do that again. Like Todd Phillips tried to make a Scorsese movie. But like, why didn't Todd Phillips make a Todd Phillips movie? Um, I guess that up to this point, that would basically just mean it would be a comedy as far as I can remember. So maybe that's not a good point. Um, but I think that part of the reason, er, well, this is a looser example, but like Sam Raimi made Sam Raimi's version of Spider-Man, at least kind of like the way Tim Burton made Tim Burton's version of Batman. And I think that both of those movies are awesome. Like if you look back on that Spider-Man flick, it, there's a lot of body horror stuff going on in there. Lots of close-ups, lots of gross kind of things, but they work, and it's awesome. The movie is amazing. I would probably say to this day, it is definitely in my top three superhero movies of all time. So, But, yeah, I mean, at least a director doing their version of a thing. Um, you can certainly say that that's what Nolan did instead. Also, like if you want to just change the original basis of what I was getting at to that so everything fits together then that works as well but um you can't you can't just be like all right we're making this what would batman do it's like no why don't you make the movie and you figure out how it fits into batman's world and then like chip away at it like don't write a batman movie because there's a there's comic books you can base them directly off that if you want but like I don't know what I'm getting at. I think that somebody needs to just buckle down and either do it right or change it. That's what I was getting at. So, like, at the end of the trilogy, like it's like, okay, like, this is done. Batman has been executed in film. Let's give it a while now. 
Because, I mean, it took a while for him to come back. You know, the first Burton movie, I think, was in the 80s, technically. Like, it was in 89. Um, so my thing was, let's either go straight into, like, a Batman and Robin thing, where it's completely different. Um, that was That's, like, the easy option that I think is the worst one. Like, try to continue it and push it further. Basically, what Schumacher did... Uh, I think that that's one route to go, but I don't, that's my least favorite, okay? Because I still don't want, the, the original purpose of this was like, okay, how does this continue in film without us doing it again? Whereas now they've already done it again, and this is going to be the second time of them doing it again, which is, like, not cool. Like, I think that Dawn of Justice and shit is technically supposed to be a continuation, but it's just so off in every way that it's definitely a reboot in my book. And if that's the way it's supposed to be, then, you know, they failed regardless. And uh, my my big thing with that movie is just don't call it Batman versus Superman, and it probably gets a 15% bump on Rotten Tomatoes. Because uh, it was not Batman versus Superman. They fought for like 10 minutes. Just call it Dawn of Justice. And then it's about the origins of Justice League. Oh, that makes a whole lot more sense. Because that's what that movie was about. Batman versus Superman, my ass. Uh, yeah, and the, the Man of Steel should have just been about how Superman was God. Like, what they did in Batman vs. Superman, the Superman storyline, that should have been the entire plot of Man of Steel. I think that Superman over... Hold on. I'll get back to the Batman thing in a second. But I think that Superman over all superheroes, literally over all of them, at least the ones that I can think of, needs to be a character study because he can defeat anyone. So if everyone's solution to making a Superman movie is, oh, let's, like, destroy entire cities and, like, do planet global scale battles, um, I'm going to say that that's not going to be good. It's basically an animated movie at that point. One. Two, he's always going to win. Three, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, like, the only options of him losing is if somebody somehow brings kryptonite to the whole thing. And it's like, why don't we just make this a character thing? You know? How about, yeah, he gets into a couple fights. Sure. And they're, maybe they're not that big. You know, maybe there's a bank robbery and, like, some cars blow up. We don't need to do this global scale shit. Because the whole interesting thing is that this is, like, the first alien. And he clearly has the power to do anything. So, like, maybe there's a big thing at the beginning. Maybe we do some jump cuts. So, like, uh, maybe there's, like, a quick montage, like, explaining his origin if we need to. Uh, I'd kind of like it, too, because I would like this. Uh, I guess it doesn't. I, a montage. Yeah. Let's stick, with, let's stick with that. We can cut it if we have to. <laughs> a montage kind of explaining the origin. And then... Like, that montage through, like, his first, like, few breakout things, like, as Superman and him getting the job and blah, 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 like, quick. I'm talking, like, all of this is done, all of this, what I'm saying, is done within, like, the first five to ten minutes. So we're not really wasting any time, but we're keeping everybody up to speed. And then, so I would say first five, and then the next five is a huge battle. Like, now we're caught up. So from, like, we're doing birth to, like, 
He's already started being Superman, and he has the job, and it's been a little bit of time, but this is like his first big battle, right? And we're talking like buildings are destroyed, lives are lost, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't need to be graphic, and it doesn't need to be that CGI. I mean, it has to be, but it doesn't need to be that like grand shit where he like flies to the sun and comes back. Like nothing crazy like that. Like they just fight, and it, it does a lot of damage, whoever it's against, and... Okay, from then on, it's it's the Batman versus Superman stuff where, like, he's on trial or blah, blah, blah. Or then he's on, like, a talk show and it's like, oh, him and his private thing trying to deal with this. And then he's talking to Lois and then he's over at the thing. You know what I mean? And it's, like, about dealing with, like, this alien dude psyche. He doesn't really know who he is, what's going on, you know? And it doesn't need to be, like, hashtag gritty reboot, you know? Like, film it like a, like a pristine drama, you know? Like, get, get Spielberg to do that movie or something. Maybe not Spielberg. I don't know how I feel about him anymore, but we're not going to go down that rabbit hole right now. Um, But yeah, I just think that Superman over anybody needs to be a pure character study and like show the nation at large and all this stuff. And like, yeah. So I think that they got that part of it right in Batman versus Superman. But I think that, you know, you need to take that idea and push it to the next level. So that's where I give like Joker a lot of credit. It's like, I, I mean, I think they fucked up with, like, the Wayne elements that they put in there, but I bet somebody, like, made them, or whatever. I don't know what happened. I'm not going to claim, like, I was there. But it, it still took, like, it took, like, a core idea and just, like, it it pushed it. It did a thing. Because they could have easily made it where he becomes Joker an hour into the movie and then, like, you know what I mean? And then, like, it flashes forward or whatever. But, like, they truly, like, were just like, no, the end is the beginning, you know? Like, you know how this is going to end. We're telling you this. It's, you know what I mean? So, whether you agree or disagree with how good the movie was or whatever, at least it accomplished uh, or went through with a unique idea, you know, where we're not doing the same thing anymore. Like, we can we can do so much with what these characters have and are. Uh, somebody needs to just like you know write the fucking script or like greenlight this shit and let somebody do it. Because if if all of these movies are just gonna be the same, like we don't need it. We don't need it, and I think that that's that's the only reason you should be concerned. Here I am looping it back about Robert Pattinson being Batman. You shouldn't be concerned about him being Batman. Is all I'm saying. You should be concerned that they're making another Batman. Because at, at some point, people are going to stop going to these, and then they're not going to make them. And then we're going to be left with just a shit filmography. You know, before you know it, there's going to be more bad ones than good ones. That's my fear of this whole thing. Especially because they can't seem to get a tone right. Whether they want to do the connected universe thing or not, I don't really give a shit. It's like you guys need to just like buckle down and like know what you're about because these things are all over the fucking place. And it's like I don't want to go. I don't want to see any of these. So, uh, but anyway, so I think that the the two options for Batman in cinema that would be super effective, somebody could do a lot with, like any like. A writer-director combo, or if, whether they're individual people, whatever, 
like some writer could nail this and some writer could direct this and any writer director you know what i mean not any but there's there's a lot of ways that these two ideas could be executed in unique fresh ways with quality movies that are captivating and something that people haven't already seen so like there's a lot of room for it so i think my second option which i thought which has not been in my brain for that long maybe a couple years um, whereas my number one option was like as soon as The Dark Knight Rises ended, I was like, I know where this needs to go. So option two is Batman 66. Now, I like the show is absolutely insane. And if you rewatch it, it is bananas like to this day. I don't know what people thought of it then if they were just like, yeah, this is this is tight. You guys like Batman. You know, but that show's fucking crazy. There's so much insane shit going on in that thing that uh, even just like making it a, a meta movie about them on set would be really dope. That idea I just came up with off the cuff, so I don't have anything to go along with that. But I mean, they've been making comics that series has been going on for years now. So, I mean, there's, like, definitely plenty of stories. There's plenty of ways to attack it. And I just think, okay, there's a cool way to have Robin in these movies without it being, like, those dumb... I won't say that they're all dumb, but, like, the the gritty, hyper-real version of Batman. Like, Robin seems silly, and so I understand why he's not in, like, the Nolan movies or whatever. Because it it's weird that there would just be some kid next to him while this like terrible shit is happening, and so I think that that's a cool opportunity. That's a good opportunity for comic relief. I mean, kind of like the way what like Michael Sarah played Robin in the Lego Batman movie, and it was amazing. Like it was a perfect fit. I think that he could play the live action one. Frankly, um, I don't know. It depends how spry he is. You know, if he can move. But, I mean, just think about, like, you'd get to cast Robin in, like, a fun, loose way. It's not like, who can play Robin in this, like, fucking badass Robin? No, like, it doesn't, I don't want it to be a comedy. I don't want it to be fucking Seth Rogen's disaster of Green Hornet. Don't even get me started on that shit again. I don't, I, I honestly don't even remember if I've talked about it on here before, because that movie drives me up the fucking wall. That show was amazing, okay? We need justice for the Green Hornet. Anyway. And I love Seth Rogen. I think it's the biggest mistake he's made in his entire career. I mean, not that he gives a shit what I think or should, but I just think for the sake of the Green Hornet, we need another one. Anyway, um, yeah, you get to cast Robin. All the villains, like uh, the costumes, would be super fun. It could be trippy. Like imagine if like it was like uh, natural born killers, <laughs> like like style with all that crazy shit happening throughout it. But Batman 60s, you know what I mean? Like, there's just so many options you can do. Um, You could make them, like, literally take acid if you wanted to do, like, Batman 66 R-rated. Or, like, that's why it turns into Batman 66. Like, there is a Batman and Robin, and it's contemporary. But they, like, take acid. Or, like, maybe they time travel and take acid. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of options to where... It could it could work. I would be super down if it was time travel, but also if it's just set in the '60s, like I'm totally cool with that as well. Um, and I think that it would be kind of cool. It would be cool to do an origin story in the '66 universe. I think, including or maybe just the Robin origin story. Like that's how the movie starts. 
Um, because we all know Batman's by now, and it would still be the same, and there would still be Alfred, and there would still be Gordon, you know, like, you know what I mean? Um, but then, like, they kind of show Robin how he gets into it. Maybe that's a good way to start it if we're talking franchise, but if we're doing singular film, I think you just start it, and it, it plays like an episode of the show. Or, I mean, even the the show had a movie, I haven't seen it, but I'm sure it's batshit insane. And you can just do so much, and, like, they could, uh, use practical effects on purpose maybe use a lot of green screens like maybe make it like ham it up almost like uh like the brady bunch movie or like the scooby-doo movies where it's like half parody you could kind of do that way but i still i still think like play it kind of serious but as serious as you could because that thing was like lighthearted and a romp anyway um i would love it if it still had like the boom and pow graphics like that would be sick and i think that like with modern technology you can add so much more to those um, and make it a whole more immersive and effective experience. So, yeah, I would love to see Batman 66 adapted for film. Uh, I'm sure Kevin Smith could have a script ready in, like, 27 minutes uh, that somebody could work with, you know. But I just think it'd be fun, you know, bring the camp back. Just do something crazy with it, you know. Go nuts. Don't call, The only thing is do not call it Batman 66 and don't and like have it set in the present and everything's just campy. It has to be set in that time or change the name. You know, that, that's my only thing. Um I yeah, I would love to see that. Or maybe bring 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 the series back. Like do it as a show. That could work too. That's all I'm saying. Option 1 though. Uh I think this is a no-brainer. I'm shocked that this hasn't been thoroughly publicly discussed and but uh we need a batman begins movie uh i just said that wrong batman beyond is what i meant i always do that fucks me up um but yeah i think that batman beyond is one of the most underrated iterations of batman period I think that that show was unbelievable. The movie they did was like literally pretty haunting where Mark Hamill plays a, a brilliant Joker. I know that he's played the Joker a bunch of times, but uh, he did a phenomenal job in that movie. And just the whole concept is great. Bruce Wayne's old. Now it's a younger person. Blah, blah, blah. It's the future. The Joker's a gang. You know, like... Oh, look at all these already fresh ideas that all of these people have already made that nobody is taking advantage of and keeps doing the same stale bullshit in theaters. So that's all I'm saying. I just think there are so many ways that there are so many ways that they this could get fucked up though. So that that's a big concern. I don't think that that's ever anyone in a movie studio's concern, fucking it up. It's all cash all the time. And maybe that's the reason, is that they think it's too niche of a thing, but I don't think anything's too niche of a thing. I mean, I didn't even know what Guardian, Guardians of the Galaxy was, and I'm like, okay, well, this is probably the best franchise in Marvel. You know? Like, it's almost better to not know it. Like, it's better, you know what I mean? Because if people are just like, oh, well, it's kind of about Batman, I'll go see it. And then you're like, oh, this is a really interesting thing. Because then it's fresh and it's new. Again, uh, that's what we need. Somebody listen to me. Anyway.
those are my uh those are my Batman ideas. So I think Robert Pattinson, again, solid choice, fine actor. Uh he's got a lot of the like Brad Pitt, the like yeah, like I'm pretty, I get it, but like, you know, I can act cuz I'm an actor. Check out these performances. And it's like, oh yeah. Wow, he was great in that movie. And it's like, but uh wow, look at your hair. And it's like, ah, you know, that's not really why we're here. So I get it. Uh I don't really feel bad cuz uh you could try looking like me and see where it gets you. Yeah, that's what I thought. So that that's where I feel that's where I feel no beef. Um I feel no beef. Get it? Anyway. So uh consider me for your next movie franchise, DC films. I'm booking Chevy Chase as the penguin. Just kidding. I don't have any ideas like that yet. Maybe Jonah Hill for Penguin isn't that bad of an idea. That's all I'm saying. He's a good actor. He's, you know what I mean? Nobody batted an eye when they picked Danny DeVito. It was a perfect decision. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. The, the, the talent's there. Love you, Jonah. And by the way, uh, sorry if the audio, like, is a little weird this episode. I recently moved my little recorder thingy um, out of my room and then back and I had some settings while trying to use some settings issues I ran into while trying to use it on another computer and I wasn't able to even get it right on that other computer um, and now plugging it back uh, everything seems to be a little bit different and I don't know why I mean it sounds fine like now um, I recently just made a little, uh, by recently, I mean like within this recording recently, like within the last couple minutes, I just like made a couple tweaks and now it kind of seems like it's at where it should be. But anyway, um, so that might be a thing. I apologize if it is, it, it will be sorted out as ASAP as possible, as we like to say here. So, uh, yeah, hopefully that's not a concern going forward, but we shall see. I uh, recently, I don't really know why, and I'm, I'm going to elaborate, as I tend to do as much as possible, on this decision and why I continue to make it, but I have begun binging the show Superstore. Um, and you know, like I'm pretty on the fence about it. I'm almost done with the second season and I'm still kind of just like, all right, you know, that's fine. It's like, it's a very like beige vanilla show. It's very safe. Um, but there's something about that and like the office and like cheers, I believe would fit this as well. There's just something about like a single setting that makes it an infinitely rewatchable and bingeable thing. Because I think it's like a safety factor. It's like you know what you're going to get, you know who you're going to see, you know, basically know what's going to go down, but you don't know what everybody's going to say. 
Um, maybe maybe that factors into it. I don't know if it's a subconscious thing that I have where it's like, okay, like these are the Because I don't really like The Office, but I went through it super fast. Because you can just watch it all day. Because it's like you know what's... Like you just know the setting. I don't know. Like I don't think that that's why necessarily. Ah, I don't know. There's just a level of comfortability there. There's something about it that is just so easy to just keep watching. Um, and I, I think that that might be the factor. Now, with Superstore, it has no real breakout performances like The Office did. It has no real gripping storylines of any kind. Um, some of the characters have been annoying from the beginning, and they, they've kind of stayed that way. And um, there's a lot of continuity things with uh, the hours that really bug me. Like, there's supposed to be episodes where, like, this chick's like, I have to get out of work because I have to go to a dance recital, but they're, like, working a closing shift. So, I mean, what kind of fucking big box retailer is closing at, like, 6 p.m. so you have time to make it to your dance recital? And, or, like, what dance recital is happening at 11.30? You know, because there's no chance in hell that that store closes earlier than 10 p.m. Maybe 9. Maybe 9. But, uh, no. And then the Black Friday episode I just watched, uh, they got there at 3 a.m. and then they left after the store closed. Are you out of your mind? Again, if the store closes at 9, you know, it's 12 hours to from 3 a.m. to 3 p.m. You gotta tack another 6. You think anybody's gonna work an 18-hour shift on a Black Friday? You gotta be out of your goddamn mind, Okay. And it was like all of the core characters did it. It's not like one person like really had to take charge. So, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I also think the store manager is way too involved. Okay, but this is this is this is really the gist that I was getting at. Two of the reasons I started to watch it. Well, the one reason why I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot, is because like the main dude he plays the lawyer in Silicon Valley, and he's just a real likable guy. So. I was like, I'll watch a show that he's in. You know, this guy's chill. And uh, the other thing was like, okay, like I used, I worked for a lot of years uh, at Whole Foods, and like the retail elements are in are are you know they're pretty good. There's a lot of things that happen in there that are like, okay, yeah, I totally get exactly what they're talking about. Now, it's written broad enough that, like, anybody clearly understands the things, but, like, I think that they nail how the workers feel about it really well, and I think that that might go over some people's heads and thinks, think that that's, like, oh, like, these characters are silly, because I don't think that any customers at any place realize that everybody that works there hates them and wants them to leave. I think you only know that if you're one of the people that work there. So I, I like that that's a thing. Um, and yeah, like some of the stuff like that, they just nail. Um, and I like how they do these they do these little cuts where it's like in between scenes or like when they're going from character to character even. Um, that they do like little cuts of customers doing weird shit in the aisles. And I think that those are always pretty funny. 
Um, but yeah, the show, I mean, it doesn't grip you. It's like very clearly from the beginning, they're trying to do the Jim and Pam romance thing. And they're very clearly also forcibly stretching it out. And it's like, okay, NBC, you really have a type, you know, I don't know. I just think the show doesn't take that many chances. Uh, maybe it will as I get further along. Um, I think it works in the binge element, but I think like week to week, I don't understand how in, how it's still on is I guess what I'm getting at. Uh, like if I watch it on a Wednesday by next Wednesday, am I excited to see it again? Like, no, not really. I think it only, it kind of only works when you're watching three or four at a time. Um, I, I, I can't really explain why. I mean, it's just like any individual episode story isn't really that interesting. Just like they, they don't really come up with that much. And when they when they really try to go for it, it's just like so insane. Like there's an episode where a dude cuts his thumb off and then they put it in guacamole and then somebody buys it. And it's like none of none of that. Like, you know what I mean? It is just so far fetched. Same thing like with those like hours things like the, the things that they disregard are so heavily disregarded. Then it's like, okay, and then when they play, when it's just a regular event that's happening, it is so minuscule and, like, not worth it that, like, oh, that, that that's your plot, huh? So I don't know. And uh, it also has, the, I don't know his name, but the guy who was opposite Harris Whittles, rest in peace, in Animal Control with Parks and Rec, he plays a dude in a wheelchair, and he's obviously the funny guy, you know, because... That's that's like his thing is to be funnier than everybody in any given scene, and he nails it pretty much every single time. Um, so it doesn't really sound like I'm saying the pros outweigh the cons, but I think they do, and it is pretty enjoyable. But I think that a lot could have been done. Uh, I do think that it does kind of put a hamper on my backup show idea, my main show idea. I'm firm on it. Um, uh, I'm I'm gonna hold on to it until, <laughs> uh, until I've decided that uh, it's definitely never gonna happen. I think it's way too early to say that it'll never happen, so I'm gonna keep it. But uh, the other one I was like, my backup idea was like, okay, I'll just do about all the crazy grocery stories I've got, cause man, they sure are a plenty. Um, you want to talk characters? I mean by the dozen they 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 just kept coming and yeah i think that superstore probably a little too like what's the oh it's it's you chose like superstore yeah but it's a grocery store which barely even works because superstore is also a grocery store so uh yeah but i mean i i I hope it gets better I really do, because I'm probably going to catch up. I don't really got any other shows going on. I still haven't watched Watchmen. I just feel like I'm never ready to pay that much attention. I just feel like there's a there's a whole world-building thing that they do, and they got to do it pretty quickly, uh, obviously, because it's like a one-off, too, Lindelof is saying, which is almost why I don't really want to get into it, because it's like, oh, what if I love this and want so much more, you know? Um... I consider myself a big Lindelof guy, even though it's really just based off the the leftovers, which is the greatest, probably the best show of all time. If if we're gonna be real, I think that it tells a really insane story, 
and the only reason I won't call it, I won't like definitively call it the best show ever, is just because the first season uh, based itself on that book and didn't go full Lindelof, you know, and like it was still really good and really insane, and then it just went to such beyond what I ever anticipated anybody could ever accomplish in a television show and just absolutely blows you away the entire time. Um, I mean, I, I cannot sing enough praise about the second and especially third seasons of The Leftovers. And I mean, when your show is so good that the network you're on like knows you should be canceled, but they're like, all right, like you guys can get another season. Like We're not going to keep this running forever. But if we tell you this is your last season, like, y'all got to wrap it up. And they're like, all right, like we'll wrap it up. And they, it's just like the, the respect that has to be present to be like, yeah, we're going to fork over a bunch of money for a show that people don't really watch. Because uh, like, we got to see how this shit ends. God damn. <laughs> you know, this, this is a great show. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I put it pretty high up there. I highly recommend it to uh, all you Tuesday people. I got to, yeah, there's got to be a fan base name, right? I mean, obviously, we're a long way away from even having a fan base, but there's got to be something in there. Maybe I should have made this Wednesday. But then that doesn't make any sense either. It goes against the entire origin of the whole thing. You know, maybe now I just uh, don't worry about it. Wouldn't that be nice if I could just go a day without being concerned about something that really didn't matter? That would just be fantastic. That would be the bee's knees. The bees have knees, and they're flying into trees, and we don't know what to do. That pretty much sums up what's going on in my head. So uh, if you have the number for a therapist that you can recommend... (laughs) Uh, you just let me know. Give me you give me an email, rfatpodcast at gmail dot com, um, where we answer all the burning questions, whatever you need. You know, hashtag I feel like Tuesday. That's uh that's that's one of my big ones. I've been I've been waiting to bust that out. Uh, that's a that's that's a move for sure. Uh, yeah, that's in that's in the future plans. <laughs> uh whatever you want that to mean. And uh now lastly to uh wrap the show up, we're going to talk about an album. A new album that has dropped. No, not one of mine. Uh cuz that would not be newsworthy. So we're talking the new Tame Impala record, The Slow Rush. Now, on most people's initial listen, from what I've gathered, they're either like, oh shit, or they're like, what? That was like not as good. And I agree with both things. And I think that that was entirely the point, right? So, it, I mean, he's a producer and a musician. I think that he is growing as both. But as a musician, he's learning how to craft pop songs and as a producer he is just getting better period uh you can say what he's producing it doesn't really matter he's fucking probably the best there is at it i think that uh like 
the his recordings just sound better than like everybody else's. Uh, I don't know how he does it, but everything sounds fucking amazing. And uh, I mean, I would love it if that guy showed me like two tips. <laughs> I think it would make everything infinitely better. Um, but I mean, if I was somebody who was making a record and had a budget to make a record, I would absolutely hire that guy to be the producer if he's down. Or I'd, I'd hire him just to be the re- recorder. You know, I'd want to book time at his studio if he even does that. I don't know. Um, and also, that, like, this record was trying to do something different than the la- Like, I mean, obviously, he's always trying to do something different than his last record. And it's weird that anybody would expect him not to. It's almost like, Jesus, dude, I waited five years. You guys are instantly comparing it to the record from five years ago, which... Uh, I think his like it hasn't aged poorly. I think the Currents is an amazing like masterpiece of an album, but at the same time, like the the lyrics, uh, you go back and look at them, like they're not that great. I think he uses too much falsetto, like too high of a falsetto, like the whole time. You know what I mean? Like there are things you can go back and listen to and be like, okay, like this could have been a little bit better. And I think like vocally, he is like unreal on the slow rush. I think that. He makes the dance grooves. This is all I know is that like when I listen to this on a good speaker all the way through, feeling good, like wasn't in a rush, didn't have anything to do, you know, like I was just chilling, listening to this album. I was, I it just like clicked. I was like, I, 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 I came up with a full connection that I'm like, okay, in my head, I at least understand what the point of this was. Now. What came to my mind was that, let's say you're at a club or, like, a dance or, like, a wedding. My theory is you can push play on this album, play it the whole way through. There will be songs fast, slow, dancey, jumpy, anthemy, you know, all the, you know, all the speeds and types of dances you could want. Um, there are songs that people would walk off the floor for and then other people would come on for so basically what i'm saying is uh i don't want to call it a playlist because definitely i think is cohesive at the same time which is really impressive but i think you could spend the entire hour on the dance floor in a bunch of different ways like with somebody and you can dance with them in like four or five to 12 if you want all 12 um different styles and it keeps the pace of the night going it's basically, in my mind, like one night at the club. And I think that's a good way to look at it because anybody trying to be like, oh, like, where's the guitar? It's like, don't you get it that this isn't a psych thing anymore? But then on the last track, he does this whole like crazy prog passageway thing. And the the other thing that came to mind, too, wasn't just that. I don't think that that was also the concept. I think it's like, um, it's kind of like the number one, he's kind of like the number one festival headliner, at least in the quote-unquote band genre. You know what I mean? Like, it's like the number one band act, you know, that at least is con- fully contemporary. So, um... Just imagine how awesome these would sound at, like, 9.30 p.m. on a summer night with, like, lasers and all their crazy psychedelic stage setup going on the whole time. Um, 
there are literally just like chants in these songs. Like they're made to be crafted like at Coachella and Lala and whatever. Uh, I hope he plays Pitchfork again. That would be tight. But uh, it seems like it's almost definitely going to be in a Lala year for Tame Impala possibly headlining. So, I mean, if you're headlining Coachella, you'd probably not play Pitchfork. That's kind of just how that goes, I, I would think. But... Yeah, I mean, it, it just seems perfect. The the space and openness of it, it was kind of like um, when Kanye did graduation. He's like, I, I, I got to rap for stadiums now. You know, like, I can't, I got to figure out how that works. Like, there's got to be more space here. You know, because this is, I have to be able to perform these songs. I'm not at Beat Kitchen you know, just like spitting on stage. It's like I gotta entertain twenty two thousand people now. You know, so it, it it it's a it's a thing that unfortunately just has to become a part of the music. But I think that he did an amazing job and those songs are fucking crazy. And uh I think that it's less memorable all the way like there are less individual tracks that are like, oh that was a thing. But like as a record it's almost mo- the most cohesive Maybe since Inner Speaker, because I think Gornerism kind of bounced around. Uh, it was all guitar based, so it kind of just unified together on that. But I mean, I think Currents kind of bounced around, and that's what was crazy about it, because it was like personal growth, and it was like you got to do ah, 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 to like all these changes and stuff. Um, whereas I think the Slow Rush can just kind of play the whole way through, and you might not even realize like when a track changed. Like I don't know. This is this is all on uh, not a lot of listens, pretty limited speaking. I haven't thought about it uh, as in depth as I want because I kind of just wanted to let this flow out and kind of talk my way through it. This is like part of the plan. It uh, isn't a very good plan I'm learning right now, as I kind of don't know what I think. Um, but I think that slight criticisms are deserved. Any major ones aren't because it's kind of just what you guys want, like. For whatever reason, whenever any whenever anybody like picks up a fucking guitar and like puts out a song that gets popular, you have to become this like rock savior, whether it's anything you wanted or had anything to do with anyway, because magazines have just decided that rock is more important and like everything has to be this crazy revolution thing now. Um, cause I mean, like, look at the strokes. It was like, they, they were on top of the fucking world and then they like didn't appreciate it or like disrespected us and blah, blah, blah. And they basically like, you know what I mean? They lost like the public, they lost like, uh, the AP support, like publications weren't backing them anymore because they were, they, they, they weren't accepting the throne basically, uh, from what I gather. So, I mean, it's it, 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 it reminds me of that. And then it's like they ended up, like, not even wanting to do all that garage shit anymore. And they started putting synths in there. And uh, guess what? Like, the shit went down. Like, you know what I mean? All the reviews, like, got worse. Now, uh, the album, obviously, their first album is still their best. So I don't, I don't think that they absolutely, like, the review should have gotten better. But I'm just saying, like... For whatever reason, it's like, oh, this person has a guitar. They're the fucking saviors of rock and roll. And then when they don't want to do that, it's like, oh, well, fuck them. Like, they're missing out on their own opportunities. I liked it better when they did this. And it's like, great. Well, you like that type then. 
You know what I mean? Clearly, you don't like this band. You just like rock music. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But you can't be putting slights on people for doing what the fuck they want to do when it's still, like, really, really good. I mean, you can't say that it sucks because it's not what you wanted. I just think that that's bullshit. Whatever you want isn't important, especially to that person who has never been more famous. Nobody else has mattered less. You know? So, I mean, just, like, take a fucking step back and just, like, understand the context of what the fuck this thing is. And uh, I think maybe you'll like it more. Maybe you'll enjoy it more. Why does everything have to be a fucking pissing contest with the previous thing, too? Like, there's a such thing as separate works. I mean, especially when there's a five-year gap, I wouldn't really call it a follow-up. Like, yeah, it's the next one, so, like, maybe by definition it's a follow-up, but, like, when five years go by, you are clearly not making the same type of thing no matter what. And if you are, it doesn't matter because five years have passed, so you, like, really can't do anything the same way you used to be able to. That's just how it goes. It's kind of the whole point, you know? Currents was all about how he's changing as a person. Then five years go by, and it's about how time goes by. So all he's told us is that uh, he changes and time passes, kind of like everybody. So maybe we should all just acknowledge that and stop making it seem like he needs to fucking go back to Australia and pick up a fucking Fender or whatever the fuck he plays. I don't know. Because there's guitars in there anyway. He can do whatever he wants. Because he's more talented and crafts unbelievably better songs than 98% of everybody. Maybe literally everybody. I don't know. Because those melodies, they hit me. They punch me across the fucking mouth. So, (laughs) um... Yeah, there's my uh, Kevin Parker defense for no reason. But, uh, yeah, we saw him. uh, He's shorter than I thought. He was, like, standing outside this bar down the street one day day, like for, like, a Pitchfork after show. They were, like, just coming. And uh, it was at a tiny little bar, and uh, he could probably never do that again. So that was just a cool little thing. That got to happen in a microcosm. Uh, don't know if any of this is relevant or if I used microcosm correctly. But I'm going to use that opportunity to wrap things up here. So, before I go, I just want you to remember that I are fat, you are fat, and we are fat. This has been Rec Room for a Tuesday. Peace out. Calculator. <laughs>